is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Are you still reigning? Alright, so, so then there was a part of me that was just that, that question. When you see difficult things going on, is God reigning in heaven? Is he? Are you sure? Because yeah. some of you are looking sort of puzzled. Is this part of your preach, Paul? No, it's not part of my preach. This is, this is a bonus preach. Okay. So, just to say that uh, he's reigning. And when we're, when we're having a look at the word this, this morning, uh, I was given the topic, one word. They gave me one word as a topic. Wow. Hey? Such freedom! Wow. It's very rare, <laughs> I'm going to say. And the word was Advent. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, right. So, so um, it was a real freedom. And, and when I'm, as I'm coming into that word, I can land with this whole idea that God is reigning. You know, in, in, in John's Gospel, it starts off, in the beginning. In the beginning. So before time, God was, is, always will be. And he had a plan, from the beginning. And actually, he tells us almost before the beginning. Before I created the earth, I knew you. He breaks that declaration, doesn't he? So when we're starting to have a look at this amazing advent, and what does advent mean? I had to look it up just to make sure I was sort of on that, that realm of advent. It just, all it just means is someone really, or something really important, is coming, is here. So I thought, again, I've got such freedom. What could you preach about when you're thinking of advent? Well, obviously, there's only one, one person on our hearts that we can think of. Well, it's Jesus, the most important person to arrive, etc. And we'll have a look at that. But this, this whole thing about God reigning comes out when we look at the scriptures. God's reigning. So one of the, some of the songs we were talking about, like we were singing, etc., and there was a heartbeat of God's names and his function and all that sort of thing. And I really felt that, you know, the chains fall off, we're in freedom. Are you in freedom? Are all the chains broken? Yeah. If you came into Christ, then all the chains were broken. I just got the feeling this morning some people are still sitting in the prison. The chains are broken, but actually some people are sitting in the prison. And there's, there's a getting up and moving out when you come to the Lord. There's a getting up and moving on in faith. There's a grabbing hold of the word and the promises of God and actually not just believing them, but actually acting upon them. You've got to get up and get out of the prison. And I have this whole thing about dancing. 
It's been a while since I danced in church. And I'm not talking about social. All right, I'm talking about dancing because you're so worshipful of the Lord, you get carried away and you start dancing. Now, in my disco days, hard to believe, in my disco days, I could dance these days. I'm like granddad, that's granddad, he, he, he dances like that. Okay. Uh, and it's not too bad still, not too bad. But actually, it's one of those things that I know that there's a point of freedom when you end up dancing before the Lord in worship. There's a freedom. There's a healing that goes on in your heart when you abandon yourself in a relationship of that much trust that you can be wonderful. And I just felt there was, there might be some other things, you know, dance-wise, that you might want to do uh, as far as worshipping the Lord. Now, normally, I've got to say, I'll dance in the living room. I danced in my kitchen. My children used to get fed up with me singing in tongues in the morning, dancing and praising God in the kitchen. They were still in bed. Okay, that's uh, that a wake waking children, isn't it? It's like an alarm clock, holy alarm clock, wonderful thing. How do you break out of the chains of the prison? God's broken the chain. So the amazing uh, scripture that I had was, was uh, loads of scripture. I've got to say four parts to my, to my page, and most of it is me reading scripture to you. Most of it. So you're going to get a feast of the word of God this morning. Now what you don't know is there's a miracle taking place. So I used to hate, despise, shrink under my table at school if anybody asked me to read out aloud. Because I couldn't. I was dyslexic. They didn't even back in those days, you know, a hundred years ago, they didn't diagnose dyslexia. So there I was, you know, getting 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 a job where I had to have right training courses was my nightmare. But being saved, what sort of things will God give you to do? Well, he give you the easy things to do, but if there's no glory. Not always. I like the easy ones, though. Because <laughs> they're very easy. <laughs> yeah, it can be easy ones all the time. But my challenge was, still is a little bit, as I start reading scripture and so forth, it's not easy. I stand up here and think, oh, really, Lord? You're giving me another one of those challenges, are you? Yeah? Why? Because then you see the miracle of God, can't you? I believe God's broken some chains for one or two people here. And he expects you to get out of the prison and start walking in the freedom that he's given you. And I don't know what that is for you. But I know there are one or two here this morning that uh, should have should walk in that. So uh, what am I gonna be uh, what am I gonna be reading to you? Wonderful. Um, prophetic, uh, what is the prophetic? It's God speaking to us through people. So uh, I know I've got a bit of a prophetic gift, so some of that stuff that I was telling you uh, a moment ago was what the Holy Spirit put on my heart to tell you and communicate from God to you. And right the way through Scripture, we see this absolutely Holy Spirit-anointed Word of God coming to people, some called prophets, some just Christians and that sort of thing. I'm sorry for those of you who are actually on the camera, and if I'm moving around too much, if, uh, if you're at home, this was all for you too. Um, it's just part of who I am. So here's the prophetic word of God coming to us. And sometimes it's declared to be prophecy and sometimes it's declared to be the word of God. But actually it's all scripture is the word of God. So we're starting off with that and looking at the declarations several hundred years before 
Christ was born. I mean six, seven, eight hundred years before Christ was born. We've got Isaiah, Micah and others declaring that a saviour was coming. This advent, someone really important was going to come. Then we're going to actually read some scriptures about Jesus' birth, the, Jesus, the Christmas story you're all familiar with. Thirdly, we're going to have a look at what did the scriptures say about what was going to happen to Jesus on earth. Um, the prophetic words. I won't read you the Easter story, which comes later. But then the last of all, we've got uh, Jesus' return. So a number of things that are all about Advent. What's Advent? A very important thing, person, etc. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So with that in mind, uh, yeah, got to put it in my heart. Going back to my notes there. So Hosea. Uh, are we on it? Hosea 11.1 1. uh, When Israel was a child I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son I'm not going to pray see every one of these scriptures because most of you know the stories don't you? Then actually when the persecution came Herod was killing all the children under two years old in an area the, uh, the angel had said to Joseph and Mary take your son out and they, fleed, they flew fled, fled. they fled to Egypt Right? So uh, then later on, God called him out of Egypt. Here we have in Hosea an interesting, hey look, this is the reality. How does God reign on earth? Well, he makes it all happen. He declares what's going to happen, and then he orchestrates history so that it does. There is no option. The word goes forth from his mouth, and actually it has to be fulfilled. So when you look at the promises of God, Scripture, it has to happen. Because the one who sustains all things is making sure that his word is fulfilled. Isaiah 7, 13 to 14. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So here we are, Isaiah declaring 740, 750 years before Christ was born, that a virgin would. How would that happen? You see, 700 years before, that the wonder would be, so a virgin's with child, something naughty must have happened, and therefore everybody gets in trouble. Everybody gets in trouble. It's a little bit like we're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. One God with us. I mean, that was a heresy of the day. So here we have God declaring things through the prophetic, declaring things that are actually, if they were just to happen, mind you, they did. How would the establishment of the day accept it? And there's the miracles starting to link in. Things that shouldn't happen, shouldn't be allowed, are being declared here as God's plan. When you have a look at some of the stories about the genealogy of Christ, etc., how all those things happened, and the miracles that took place, so that we have a sequence of events that is just amazing. So, over 700 years before um, Jesus was born, there's this statement from Isaiah. In Micah, Chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. But you, Bethlehem, though, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, 
whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And if you look at the genealogies, it goes from Adam right the way through to David, right the way from David, right the way through to Jesus. It's just from of old. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until that time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Now, Fred, last week he said an interesting, loads uh, of good stuff, actually, Fred, loads of good stuff. So he was declaring uh, to us, actually, who do you think that, uh, uh, I'll ask you, who's the character that, like they were, they were thinking, what type of person did Israel think they would get? So, a warrior, absolutely, a warrior, uh, some sort of person who would rise up and, oh, it was Alexander the Great you, 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 you were sort of thinking of and, 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 or mentioning, and I thought, yeah, he was just such an awesome character of history, turned over half the known world, etc. That's who they were thinking was going to come and make Israel great. Okay. I think, well, that's their expectation, but that's not what we're reading here. So you might think you're going to get a save, you might think this, that, the other is going to actually happen. But what we're going to do now is read some of Matthew and uh, look at the story as it unfolds. So Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What a gentle person. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, is the genealogy from age old. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Wonderful. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's that, that confirmation that just keeps on coming as we roll through scripture. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So moving to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So here we've got this whole story of before, several hundred years before, the declaration of what's going to happen, and God who reigns in heaven, taking it back to the words of worship that we had, he's reigning. So what he declares is going to happen, has to happen. But it doesn't always happen as people interpret, and that's the challenge that we, we come up with. God's solution isn't always out. Have you noticed that? You might work it out in your head and you think it's going to work out. And then, you know. But actually, a solution does come. If we wait on God, the solution does come. And usually it's better than our plan. Because it's God's plan. And he is reigning in all circumstances all the time. He's everywhere all the time. And always will be, always has been. So what we've been reading is this lovely story of Christ's birth. And Advent is all about that, isn't it? We're waiting for a child to be born and we celebrate this baby in a manger. And that's where the nativity... Anybody got a nativity scene at home? Have you got it out yet? Have we got it out? Little nativity, super. And there's the baby and there's Joseph and there's Mary and sometimes there's shepherds and sometimes there's these wise, wise men. Okay. And the reality is what we're celebrating, actually Christ came. God came from earth. This whole idea of Emmanuel is just a creature on its own. Got to say, it is. It is. It's just one of those glorious things. God with us. God invaded earth through Jesus Christ. He came to earth to bridge the gap between sinful mankind and himself. Glorious, glorious. That's our salvation. That's the part of our salvation story that everybody celebrates at Christmas. And uh, moving straight on from there, uh, I've, got, um, I've got the whole thing in Luke, where um, uh, Luke 1, um, 26, through to Luke 2, 1 to 24. And that's the story where we, we see about um, the uh, angels visiting the shepherds. It's just wonderful. Uh, the child is born, uh, the angels appear, the glory of the angels. Did anybody feel glory of the angels in our worship this morning? There was something of the Holy Spirit was here this morning in our worship. There was, if you were caught up in it, it was just great to worship God. Is there anything better than worshiping God? Is there? I just wonder. Because I've got a couple of thousand years to do that for. And apparently it's going to be the, the pinnacle of my existence will be actually in the presence of God, worshipping him. Just wow. So getting to a place where we're actually enjoying it. And I could see people were clapping and they were actually moving to the music and that. But just but moving because of God touching you is just super. And here we have this story of how the, again, uh, we see these wise men. <laughs> Uh, being warned, uh, thanks, John. Uh, warned that in a dream that they must not go back to Herod and tell him because Herod was going to try and kill Jesus. And that that was one of the things. And uh, when we were talking about Advent in life group the other week, uh, Joe uh, mentioned one of the things that sort of struck him was these magi defied the king. Come back, he said. 
So to go the other way, they were defying the king. Well, what happens to you when you defy the king? Pretty much, isn't it? Right? But these, in a dream, they thought, no, we're not going back there. And they defied the king and went another way. And we, we, we see that uh, the, the, the shepherds were, who were just looking after a few sheep, you know, humble, humble beginnings. This was not the birth of a king to a king. This was birth of a king. When you go back to little David as a shepherd's boy, you know, he was going to be king of Israel. And who did God pick? A shepherd's boy. And forever we're seeing that through scripture, aren't we? And here we have this child be born and the elderly angels in heaven, and we're told in scripture elsewhere, that they're amazed that God was coming to earth. And God, the one they worship all the time in heavenly places, was coming to earth. They were amazed. They were, it was surprised them all. So it's not surprising then that the people of the time were surprised as well. That actually God was born in a stable and was laid in a manger. How many of us would want to put our little children in mangers with straw where the animals are? Are you feeling? <laughs> Maybe not. Well, we are talking about a different time and all that sort of thing. But then these this heavenly hosts come through in Luke that are just, oh, the sky is alight with angels and glory and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they praise God awesomely, like we were this morning, because we're saints. If there was a pecking order, angels, saints, and we're told actually angels are ministering spirits sent to serve the saints. So when we're looking at glory and how you shine in heavenly places, I've got to look at you all in heavenly places, you're radiant! Christ is in you. This son who came to the earth, he's in us. So when we're looking at this advent, this amazing story, how should we be preparing and remembering Christ's coming? Christ's arrival. Christ is here. What a great time advent is to dwell upon those amazing things. Lord in seven o'clock. So, move on an extra page just in case. All right, that's where we are. Now, what would happen to Jesus? So, uh, there we have, we have this lovely Christmas story, and we're also familiar with it. And we're also very familiar with this story of the prophetic of what will happen to Jesus. So, I'm going back to those 700 years before Christ's arrival. And we're having a look at the prophetic word of God. And it's imperishable. It, is, it actually displays. I'm changing what I was going to say. Because actually this reigning in heaven and on earth and all through his creation has got hold of me this morning. So we're going to change this a little bit. So uh, here we go. Uh, some of the first things we've got. Um, Isaiah 40 verses 3 to 5. Uh, this is where it gets predicted that... Uh, Elizabeth would actually have John the Baptist right? and send John the Baptist. And some say, is this Isaiah? Who is this great prophet, etc.? And it says, the voice, of the, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the des deserted places and highway for our God. So here, here we have John going before as a prophet, as if from old. Every valley shall be raised, every mountain hill made low. 
The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here we've got this prediction that John the Baptist was going to come. He was going to be one of those first prophets. Remember, we had about six, four, four, five hundred years nearly of no prophetic utterance in Israel. Right? So from the end of these prophets, right the way through to Christ's birth, there was this vacuum, as it were, where God didn't raise up prophets and speak to his people. So we have this gap where they're all forever looking for, hey, God promised that from God. Same sort of time frame, don't forget, that actually the people of God were actually in Egypt in slavery. So when we're having a look at these, the sort of the moves of God, uh, there's, there's quite regularly these big gaps. So here we have this, this prophet arriving, John the Baptist, etc. And then we move into Psalm 22. It was written about 586 BC. That's the date I've got here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. So that's Psalm 22, verse 1. And if you're familiar with the Easter story, what you'll know is those are some of the words that Jesus said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verses 16 and 18. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircled me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People share and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among the cart and cast lots for my garments. Here we have another piece that actually, oh, this is... This is 600 years before Christ was born, and here's the prophet. No, no, no. Here is God telling us. These are the things that will happen. And when they happen, take notice, because this is the will of God. So then we've got Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8. All those uh, who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Another one of those things that the mockers around the cross were saying. Now, one of the things that, if you want to read it all, all of your, all yourselves, um, go to Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53 is absolutely brilliant at depicting what happens to our Lord at the cross. It's just a challenging reality. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out dry ground. He, has, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised he was held in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God. Stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
Now you can read the rest, but it's 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 the description several hundred years before Christ ended up on the cross. It's so explicit. When God makes his declaration, he's faithful. And because he's reigning in heaven, it has to come to pass. So when we're looking at Advent, we're looking at the birth of our Christ, the life of our Saviour, and the saving grace that was at the cross. But for all who believe, so I'm looking at the camera, for all who believe, freedom, freedom, freedom is available. Because he died for each one of us and loved us so much that he endured all this. He came from heaven to earth and endured all of this so that our sins could be paid for. That our guilty rags could be cleansed. That we could have a life with him. The difference between our religion and many others is actually we know God. God knows them all, but actually we're the ones who know God. And he, and, and he died so that we would know him, know him personally, have a relationship with him, because he delights in you and loves you. My last piece, which is actually pretty good, we've got, uh, got, well, we've got him. Um, what has God got planned for the future? So when you start having a look at, from the beginning right the way through to the end, what does it look like? And uh, from the beginning of Scripture, right the way at the beginning, from Genesis, right the way through to the end, we see this plan of God for an eternity for us. So here we are, Revelation 22. And uh, look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus declaring it. My reward is with me, and I will give each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. If you're in any doubt who was saying, I am coming soon, he makes it really clear that this is, his, this is who he is at, uh, uh, in verse 13. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. Now, through all of the New Testament, where virtually everything is looking forward to what? Christ's return. So on the one side, we're looking at Advent today, that Christ came as a baby, lived a life, and actually was crucified. But the other part of this story is he's coming again. Amen. He's coming again. And so often, we lose the sight of when's he coming, church? When's he coming? We don't know. Okay, so, but how should you live your life, though? As if it's soon? Can I have a bit, bit higher than that? But, but soon or? Today. Today! Well done, I like it. I like it. it was soon. Well, that was soon. It could be this hour. It could be midnight. It could be meant today, couldn't it? But the reality for us here is that actually all of the apostles are saying he's coming soon. We should live like he's coming today. Because they were living their lives and declaring his goodness as if he was coming today. How would I be worshipping this morning if I was truly in a release because he was coming this afternoon? Or coming as I walk down. His world is within, with him according to what they have done. Well, that's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? Because on the one side, does that mean all the good stuff that I've done? And dismiss all the bad? Yes, it does, because he's forgiven all the bad. Well, he's done a bit of repentance. He forgives all the bad. You will hold us accountable, but it's, it's one of those things. Oh, Paul, look what you did. Oh, the blood's covered it. It's gone. Oh, look what you did. Oh, no. 
you can forgive them. This is really good. So that, does that mean all the good stuff? Well, there's other pieces of scripture, aren't there? Where it looks like I've just about got through by the skin of my teeth and only by fire. What's left? Well, the good stuff that is left is the stuff that he enabled you to do. And the victory that he had in your life. Here we are. My, you know, I'm going to give to each other. He says his rewards are with him and he gives each person according to what they've done. He doesn't say my judgment is with me. He doesn't say my punishment is with me. For those who are his saints. Right? He says my rewards are with me. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes in... Blessed are those who wash their robes. When we look at that a little bit further, wash their robes in what? What do they wash them in? Is it detergent? Is it, is it flash? Is it, what, what do you think? What do you get, get your robes clean? Washed in the blood of Christ, they come out radiant. Coated in his glory and his righteousness that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates. So if you're online this morning and you haven't come through to Christ, look, here's the answer. You can come before Jesus who paid all the price. And you can wash your robes, knowing all that you've ever done. Knowing all that you've ever done that's wrong. We've all done good things. But all the things that are wrong, God, was, God has said, look, I I'm willing to wash those clean for you. I paid the price on the cross. All you've got to do is come to me. Come to me. And I will wash you clean and give you a full-blown relationship, sonship, daughtership with myself. That's what God says this morning. The tree of life go through the gates into the city. Because you can come into the city. It's, the doors are open for those who want to come in. The challenge is, if you don't come in, you're on the outside. What does it carry on and say? Outside are the dogs and those who practice magic arts, sexual immorality, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves to practice falsehood. But we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We don't get in because we deserve it. We get in because Jesus said, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. That's what it says in verse 17. Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the ones who hear say, come. So we are saying to you, if you're online or here today and you haven't made that prayer, come. Because there's nothing like it, absolutely nothing like it in my life, to actually the knowing of God. Jesus says that he had sent his angels. So as we, as I finish, because I've just about run out of time. Advent is a bell. The coming of and the fulfilling of God's word. And he reigns in heaven, and all the promises he's given you are yes and amen. And he brings them about, even to the point in the story where Caesar decides he's going to have this census. Where was that idea planted? I can pretty much guarantee you that it was God. Why? Because he needed Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem. The only reason they went to Bethlehem was because they needed the census. And when you're thinking, what can God do? Well, he can change the ideas of the king, the government, or whatever, so that you're in the right place at the right time. Sometimes it might be, and I've had it myself, where actually this job has closed down, and I thought, oh, okay, what am I going to do now? Right, okay, I'll go and get a different type of job. 
what's, what's in there for me? Well, actually, God's got a journey for me. Don't despair, because you might be going from Bethlehem into Egypt, and from Egypt back into. And actually, God has to fulfill his word. And he's reigning in all those circumstances, and therefore, if we trust him, we can see and look back, you can see the hand of God right the way through your life. Okay, I'm going to hand back to you all and pray. Okay. Father God, we're gonna just we're just so grateful that you reign right now. And Lord, for everything in our lives where we've thought recently, what are you doing, Lord? I pray that you turn that into a thank you, Lord, I know that you're reigning in that circumstance and you will bring about a blessing for me because you're my dad in heaven and you only want the very best for me. So we thank you, Lord, this morning that this is the period of Advent and we're expecting great things because you are here. You came and you, you went to heaven and now you're backed by the Spirit and you're always going to be with us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sunday morning.